Mark the fourth chapter, verse twenty, verse twenty-one, and then through verse twenty-five. There should be a Bible around you if you don't have one. We'd love for you to look in uh, the Word of God and, and and be able to see as we walk through this text what is written. It will help you immensely if you actually see in the Bible what I'm going to be speaking on this morning. Uh, Mark chapter four, verse twenty-one. Uh, the theft of medieval art from Quittenberg, Germany, was perpetrated by the United States Army Lieutenant Joe Meter. Joe Meter saw an opportunity at the end of the war, the Second World War in Europe, to go into a church and escom with treasures from that church. Steal eight priceless treasures and brought them home with him. One of them in particular was an illuminated gospel that was really, really old. An illuminated gospel is basically the writing of scripture with illustrations and pictures in order to help people who may not be able to read or understand grasp the teaching of the word. Treasures. Now he took those treasures home and didn't show anyone because how could he? He took treasures from the church and then hid them away. When he died, his brother and sister decided, we need to do something with these treasures, and they sold them for millions of dollars, only to be found out, and then because they had stolen goods they were selling, be brought to trial, and then was convicted of criminal charges. In the end, they uh, they were actually settled for uh, receiving a million dollars plus. However, there's this little organization called the IRS. Have you heard of them? Yeah, the Internal Revenue uh, Service said, uh, not so fast because you owe us $50 million in penalties and fines. All that to say, Joe went into, he went into a, a church, stole treasures, brought them home, hid them away, and then didn't even get to have the benefit of those treasures. And worse than that, It caused his family deeply. Let me tell you something that's worse than owing the IRS $50 million today. It's having access to the treasure that is Christ. Hiding that treasure away. Because Jesus is going to tell us, not only do you not have the treasure, it's going to cost you more than you could have ever imagined. Look with me in Mark chapter 4. I know you were standing, but if you don't mind, let's stand one more time. Uh, Let's read together verse 21. And I want you to think about what Jesus says here. Because as I read this text, most of you have never really heard it. And if you don't hear it, Far worse than owing $50 million. Jesus said to them, verse 21, Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor, just to drive on the point, is anything secret except to come to light? 
Verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. Amen. Verse 25, for the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not... Even what he has will be taken away. The little light that you have will be taken away. Father, we need your help by your Holy Spirit to understand this passage. We are grateful that one day we will understand it fully. Now we need your help. We pray that your help will then allow us to obey exalting your Son And that, Father, we would do your will to your glory. And may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. So kind of the way this section goes, and it's a short section. In fact, over the next few weeks, we'll take some shorter sections because I think it will be helpful for us as we apply God's word to our life on a regular basis. The real real, um, way this goes, it's a parable. Verse 21 is a parable. A parable is a story. A story makes a point. Jesus uses parables to make one point. And uh, that parable then is expressed this way. I have a promise to make. If you understand this parable, then you can understand the promise that I'm making to you. And, and then you have personal responsibility because Jesus never, listen to this, he never throws anything out there for us to go, oh, that's great. Wow, cool. Man, I'll write that down. Let me put that in my notes. Hey, did you hear that sermon? Did you hear that story? Did you hear that scripture? No, everything he gives us is something, we've got to do something with it, okay? So are you with me here? Say amen. i got to do something with this today. And thank God that I am here and I can hear and do something with this. So it's, it's, it's personal. And then he gives a precept. He, a precept is basically, this is what you do. This is what you must do. So when Jesus tells us what we must do, it's much different than anyone else telling us what we must do. Like, we must do it. He's king. So he gives us a precept of what we must do. And then the principle is in the last verse of this section of why, why. I love how Jesus doesn't just say, do it because I told you to. He tells us why we should do it. All right. So let's get into it. Here's, here's kind of the point of the parable. The treasure from the church was taken away. And that story I just told you and the family suffered loss. The reality is if we don't take the treasure of the light, which is the light of Christ, Into our heart, we will even lose what we had. If you do not lose the light you have, you will lose even the light you have had. Look at the parable, verse 21, and what we're going to ask is this question. What does this parable mean? What does this parable mean? You can interpret the parable, right? You can say, ah, I get it. It's very simple. No one takes a lamp that's meant to light the house and then hides it under a bushel, pours grain over it where... The light now is not exposing the darkness, expelling the darkness. No one puts it under a bed. In Jesus' day, beds probably were rolled up. You know, you slept real close to the ground. So you're not looking for something under your bed like dust bunnies. You're actually not looking for that lost sock. It's extinguishing the lamp. Think about this clay lamp with oil and a wick. And it's it's probably the one light in the house, the only light in the house. So we kind of see kind of this story. It's very straightforward. I mean, hiding the light in a house would not only be unbeneficial, it would be unkind. 
Hiding the light would be unkind. It would be selfish. Inconsiderate to the rest of the house. Now, here's what we have to ask. We, we can see this is a straightforward story. We all get that. Everyone gets that. Children's church today, no problem. They get it. If we stop here, then we're not going to hear what Jesus has to say. We don't have ears to hear. If we say, oh, yeah, I get this. This is that. I learned this when I was a kid. Um, I have a light, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. You know that song? Okay, that could be very unhelpful this morning because that's not what this is about. In fact, in the Greek, every noun in verse 21 in the parable, every noun is preceded by a definite article. Okay, so here's how it would read in the Greek. No one hides the lamp. Everyone say the lamp. Okay, when you say the lamp, you're talking about one. And no one hides the lamp, but puts the lamp on the lampstand. So now I need to ask, what does this mean? I, I understand, I can interpret it, what does it mean? Well, I've got to know, what is the lamp? God is called the lamp or the light. In the Old Testament, he's unapproachable light. The Bible, the Word of God, is called light. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. But in this context, Jesus is talking about why some people can see him and some people can't. He's dealt with that in chapter 3 and now in chapter 4. The disciples are even asking the question. So Jesus is saying, I'm the lamp. And I am to be put on the lampstand. In John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the one who's come in John 3, who is light and darkness comprehends it not. Can't overcome it, in other words. Light always overcomes darkness. Jesus is saying, I am this light and I'm to be put on the lampstand. Revelation chapter 2, you can read about a church called the church at Ephesus that had left Loving Christ. And, and Jesus speaks to them and says, you need to return or repent to those first works. Those first works were the love of Christ. Or I'm going to remove your lampstand. Listen to this. Could you imagine Jesus saying to the church at Hibernia today? If you guys don't shine me, I'm going to remove your influence in your community. This is what Jesus is saying. I am the light and the lampstand's my people. We're, we're the lampstand. We're the lampstand. We're the ones where the light is to be placed and therefore where the light then extends from to expose and expel the darkness. Now, this language comes from the Old Testament, you know, because in the Old Testament, he had a tabernacle inside the tabernacle of worship for Yahweh uh, was furnishings. And all the furnishings in the... It's like a wedding, by the way. You know, when you have a wedding, there's a reason you have a Christian wedding. Every part of a Christian wedding symbolizes something of spiritual truth. The, the bride in white. The, the families on either side joining together. I mean, on and on it goes. In the tabernacle, it was that way. All the furnishings pointed to Christ. All of them. And in the tabernacle, you had a golden lampstand that was meted out in gold and on it the lamp and that lamp was number one the only light listen the only light in the tabernacle two that light pointed to Christ who is the only light of the world 
If you want to be enlightened, that's a good thing. But enlightenment won't come with your dealing with crystals. It won't come through your listening to TED Talks. It won't come, true enlightenment won't come, true enlightenment won't come from your knowledge of all types of subjects. True enlightenment comes from knowing the one light of the world. Are y'all following this so far? So this is what Jesus is saying. Now, this is the parable. And now I want you to see now, secondly, in verse 22, what sovereign promise does Jesus make? Because the disciples are asking the question, why doesn't everyone see this? And how come we can't see everything? And why do you conceal some things? Like, why aren't you just coming right out? Why don't you just come right out and tell me, I'm God, I'm taking over. Well, Jesus is going to explain. Verse 22. What sovereign promise does Jesus make? It is here. Nothing. 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 What do he means? What does he mean by that? It means absolutely zero. Not a nothing is hidden that won't be manifest. And then he repeats. There's nothing secret except that will come to light. We're going to send, as Christians, y'all know this, we're going to pray before the beam of seed of the Lord. We're going to show our works to him. And he is, he's going to expose them for what they are. Either they are a gold, silver, spe- precious stones, or they're wood, hay, and stuff that get burned up in the fire. And um, when we, we as Christians, we'll stand before the Lord to receive reward. But, but there's some things that we've done, we did for the wrong reasons, and, and they're going to be burned up. I mean, there are going to be a lot of songs, singers, and, and preachers, and teachers, that, and, and missionaries, and, and, and servants of God, and, and preschool workers, and, 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 and people working in the parking lot, people singing in the choir. They just did it to... For other reasons. I could go, I don't know what the reasons are. But God does. And he knows why you don't do what you do. You can tell someone, well, I tell you, we're really busy. This is our life. We have to take care of this. And we have to take care of this person. But God knows. God knows. And you know he knows. And one day, everything secret is going to come out. There's no secrets that are not going to be unearthed. But in this particular text, and let me just, before I get ahead of myself here, clarify If you are a Christian, you will not be at the judgment seat of God where that takes place for those who are unsaved. Like people who are unsaved and every sin's going to, every sin's going to be exposed. I I think it's quite amazing in in Romans 3 where it says every mouth will be stopped before God. Every mouth will be stopped. Like who's going to be able to say anything when all their sins are exposed? Well, I'm a good person. Oh, yeah. It's a tragic day for some. It's a tragic day for some of you here. You, you might think and have been taught that you're going to heaven because you do more good than bad. But in that day, everything's going to be exposed. Every thought, every wicked lust, every hateful measure meted in your heart's coming out. You don't want to be there at the great white throne judgment. You can escape the great white throne judgment by being saved. And today is the day of salvation. But in this context, Jesus is simply telling his disciples, don't worry, everything about me, the lamp, the light, will be known. Revelation chapter 1, the Bible tells us Jesus is coming back and every one will see him even those who pierced him 
Paul says in Philippians 2, every knee will bow. Everybody's going to see Jesus and know who he is and what he's all about. Everyone. So then why are you concealing so much about yourself, Jesus? The question was asked that. Why are you speaking in parables before this story was told? And Jesus said two reasons. To reveal the truth and to conceal the truth. Why would Jesus conceal the truth? Because the concealment of the truth elicits curiosity in the heart of those who want to hear and disinterest in people who couldn't care less. You you have to decide today, am I, uh, I shouldn't say decide, you have to come to the conclusion, am I... Am I one who loves the Lord and loves the truth? I mean, I'm in love with Jesus and I love the truth because his, his seed has been born in my heart. Or, or you know, I really, don't, I really don't care. Curiosity, then, by God's grace and his sovereign hand, gives those who desire more. And in the end, Jesus said, it is my sovereignty, my providence, my power alone that will reveal the truth to those here on earth who want the truth, but in the end, for everyone. Okay, Paul makes it much clearer than I do. Paul, Paul, he has a way of doing that. Chapter 1 of Romans, Paul says this. Are you ready? Paul Paul writes and he says... Every day, almost, somebody's saying something like this, whether it's on a news outlet or on social media or just in conversation. Like, our world's messed up, man. Everything is weird now. Like, I, you, you cannot not hear that. It's like, you know when you buy a red, like, I, I get, you know, I, I remember I got a red Chevrolet truck one time. I was like, I got the only one like this. And I, I drove down to the dealership. You know, I'm a kid. I got this red Chevrolet truck. And there's about 15 others that passed me on my way home. I'm like, what in the world? Just pick it up. Put your antennas up. People are like, man, things are broken in this world. Let me tell you what Paul says, and this is the reason why. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You know, suppress, push back, don't want to hear the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Paul's just common sense here. Like, you walk outside there, good gracious. What a creation. There has to be a creator. I mean, there's more to it than that. I don't want to make this too simplistic, but come on. Right? That's what Paul's saying. People know there's a God. They don't want a God. They don't want the truth. And because God has shown it to them, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since creation of the world in the things that have been made so people are without any excuse. You can argue with that all day long. You can try to explain it away, but you'll lose your soul. For although they knew God, they did not honor God or give thanks to God, but became futile in their thinking, became, listen to this, foolish in their hearts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. You know anyone like that? Go name them. You know any professors like that? Any college presidents like that? Wise but foolish. 
and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, birds and animals, and creeping things. And then and on it goes. He said they lose their minds. They can't even, Paul says, they can't even determine sex. That's how crazy they become. Jesus is saying that in this way. If you reject the light that you have, which is me, you're not going to get more light. You're going to have the light you actually have taken away. You're going to become more dark. God doesn't have to justify himself to sinful men, by the way. Curiosity is a grace. The reason that you're curious about the truth is because you have the grace of God, the sovereignty of God, who is enlightened to your heart that gives you a desire for more truth. Concealment is a mercy, by the way. Concealment is a mercy because if you had full revelation of who Jesus Christ was and went to hell, your hell would be far worse. Far worse. There are levels of hell, according to the New Testament. There are going to be those who suffer far more in hell simply because they had far more revelation and rejected the light that came to them in much more fullness. Imagine living in an evangelical American church where you've heard the gospel year after year, day after day, I mean, week after week, and then reject that and go to hell. The Pharisees there were in in greater danger of condemnation. They had the scriptures, and Jesus was telling them, you better be careful. So here it is. Uh, Jesus makes this sovereign promise. And then, verse 23, he assigns personal responsibility. This is where it gets really interesting. Though God is faithful and gracious to give us a desire for his word, that then you have responsibility. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If you want to hear, you can have it. And if you want more, you will get it. But if you don't want it, it will be taken away from you. So then, verse 24, look at the precept Jesus gives. What is the precept Jesus gives you? Jesus says, Pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. The enemy has done everything he can all throughout all of human history, not just in the 21st century, to distract us from the truth. Pay attention to what you hear. Charles Spurgeon would say this to preachers. He would say, pray so long, lost people get bored when you pray. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and still more will be given to you. Pay attention. Not everything you hear is good. Amen, right? Not every book you read is helpful. Not every teaching you receive from religious leaders can be edifying and building up. The Pharisees were there with Jesus. They were teaching, but their teaching needed not to be heeded. Don't listen to their teaching. They're actually saying, Jesus, yes, he's a miracle worker. Yes, he is powerful. Yes, he's from... Really, another world in so many ways, but his powers derived from Beelzebub. Don't listen to everything, but pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear because not everything helps, some hurts. Therefore, you cannot afford to be a casual, curious listener to the things of God. You must and I must be a disciple. The devil wants to snatch the seed of God's word away through deception and lies and the truth of God is the only way to overcome the darkness that is in those lies. If you receive, here, look at this, more will be given to you. Notice this measure, more of what? More of a desire to hear. More of an understanding of what you hear. 
More will be added. Jesus reminds us that spiritual growth follows motion, either positive or negative. No one in this room right now can say, I'm neutral when it comes to Christ. You are either pursuing Christ or drifting away from Christ. There's no, well, I'm more than the anchor of my childhood and I know what I believe. But what you have believed will be taken from you if you're not constantly pursuing Christ, Jesus says. I didn't write the mail, I just deliver it. Can you give me an illustration of this? Yeah, think about John chapter 4. I love that story where the, Jesus goes to Samaria and he tells his disciples, I have to go there. He sees a Samaritan woman who is getting water and then Jesus starts talking to her. And this woman calls him a Jew. You're a Jewish man. What in the world would a man talk to her about? And what would a Jewish man talk to a Samaritan about? So he begins to talk to her about her sin. She's living with a man. She's been married several times. And she now is understanding the truth. And her eyes are starting to open to the truth. And she says, I perceive that you are a prophet. Oh, not just a man, not just a Jewish man, but now a prophet. So Jesus continues to speak to her about all that she's done. And then she says, you're not just a man, and you're not just a Jewish man, and you're not just a prophet. You're the Messiah, the Christ. She runs back to her hometown and not only shows the light of Christ, but shares the light of Christ. And just kind of a little shorthand to the story. Jesus comes back into that region and there are tons of people ready to come and hear what he has to say. And I believe it is because of the testimony of a woman who gained knowledge of who Jesus was as her eyes were constantly being opened. The disciples had this experience when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Here Jesus is in all of his glory. Peter says, this is also a mountaintop experience. Let's just stay here. Let's don't go to the valley. And then God speaks from heaven, the Father, and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And as they listen to him, the scriptures literally say they then understood. John chapter 2. Jesus talks about the temple being torn down. And the, the scriptures are very clear. The disciples did not understand that he meant him his body being resurrected until after the resurrection. In other words, you can go all through the New Testament, you can find where men grew in their understanding of who God is and who Christ is as they, by grace, received the truth, more was given to them. And that's true for us. At least lastly to the principle here. Look at verse 25, it's the last verse. What is the principle that Jesus is showing you here this morning? For the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I mean, this is really the law of the harvest. Jesus mixed metaphors all the way through this. So one metaphor was that of the sowing of seed. And when seed fell into good soil, which was a good heart, it yielded lots of fruit. Same with this light. The more light you receive, the more light you have. The light that you reject, if you reject the truth of Christ, if you reject Jesus, then you're even going to have what's been given to you taken away. We get this in our minds, right? Because as we develop our minds, we're able to do more. You know, when you go to school, you, you start learning how to add and subtract, and then you're, you're learning your timetables. And then there's somewhere along the line where you not only have memorized your timetables, but you understand why, why it is that two times two is four. I mean, you understand the why behind it. And now you can start doing higher math, and then you get into, into, into algebra and geometry and calculus, and, and on it goes. You don't start with calculus. You have to learn math to get more math. And the more math you learn, the more math you can do. It's that way in athletics. 
You know, you start playing a sport, you think, I'm going to play this sport, you become athletic, and then you get interested in another sport, and you realize that a lot of what you learned in that one sport translates over to another sport. It's like that way in music theory. Carlos can tell you. The more music you learn, the more music you can learn. The more music you can learn, the more music you can perform, you can share, you can show, you can lead in. And we get that in our mind. It's that way with the heart. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us, that Apathy in the heart leads to atrophy of the heart. You, you know what atrophy is? When you don't use your muscles for a while, they just go away. If you're not leaning in, this is what Jesus is telling, into the truth of Christ, learning Him, and become apathetic in that as a believer. Even as a believer, you, you can, you can, you can be small-hearted. As a believer, unbeliever, if you reject the truth, that light can be constantly taken away from you. See, Jesus' light transforms us. Think about the sun for a moment. When the sun shines and it begins to shine on an object, that object can either reflect the sun or it can absorb the sun. If it reflects the sun, it pretty much stays in its constant state. If it absorbs the sun, there's a chemical reaction and a transformation in that subject. In the same way, the light of Christ shines on our heart. You can reject it and remain the same. You can actually become harder and harder because you reject the light, just like the sun can harden the soil, the, the rejection of Christ will harden your heart. Please listen to this preacher. You can reject Christ and become so hard-hearted that you don't hear. On the other hand, you can receive the truth of God's Word, and as you receive it, it begins to do what the sun does to an object. It transforms it. Your heart becomes transformed by the grace of God. He begins to change you and make you into His image. You can't afford, believer, Jesus is telling you, to not pay attention to this. You can become unhealthy and you're hearing of God's Word. If someone loses their health, everything that could make them healthy is actually a cancer to them. Think about it. Someone loses their health. They don't have health. Everything that could help them to be a healthy person now has become a curse to them. Like if you're if you're unhealthy, heat makes you fatigued, and cold makes you shiver, and food makes you nauseous, and exercise makes you weaker, and work. You can't work. You try to work, but you can't. Some of you are experiencing that. You know, yeah, my health is not where it should be. I get all of that. Think about it in spiritual terms. In spiritual terms, why is it that somebody can come into this place and the heat of God's worship just make them aggravated and they get critical? And they go out and they live in a cold world and the coldness comes on them because they're spiritually apathetic. They get angry at God because of the difficulties that are coming into their life. And the spiritual food that is meant to nourish and they gag on. Just tell me some funny stories, some anecdotes. Just tell me something to help me get through Monday, Pastor. And the exercise. You mean you want me to serve? You want me to be a steward? You want me to give? I can't. No. Health Begets health. Jesus is saying, you better put in me. And then this. And then this. The point of hearing him is knowing him. Again, who's the lamp? He's the lamp. Who's the light? Jesus is the light. So hearing him is knowing him. And the more of him we know, listen to this, the more of him we know, the more of him we can show. He shines through us. I mean... 
little boy went on a field trip. This is a great story with his school, and they visited all of these great buildings in Europe, including cathedrals. The teachers were was asking, "What was your favorite part of the tour?" And the little boy said, "My favorite part was were the cathedrals." Why is that? The little boy said, um, "Well, you know, when we walked in the cathedrals, they were so massive, the ceilings were so high, and the paintings so awesome that I just felt so small." And saw God is so big. And I saw those stained glass windows. I just love those saints all over those cathedrals, those saints. What did that teach you when you went in? Why did that strike you? The little boy said, because in every case, the light was shining through every saint. God is too big to be held in. And if you are his, he will shine through. And the more of him you know, the more of him shows. So just a few questions in way of applications. If you're taking notes, just write these down. Okay, I got this story. Straightforward. I don't want to hide Jesus. I want more of him. How do I get him? Here's a question. Is there anything distracting your attention away from the truth? I don't have it. I'm glad I don't. I have a love-hate relationship with my phone. And the older I get, the more I hate it. I thought it was cool when I got a bag phone. Some of y'all have no idea what a bag phone is. But it looked like something out of an old 70s James Bond movie. You know, it was a, this phone that you stuck in your truck and you had to stick it into that cigarette lighter so that it would even power up. And they charged you by the, by the minute. Actually, they charged you by every 15 seconds. So if someone said, can I put you on hold? You're like, no, don't put me on hold. And now we have these smartphones. And they not only are smart, they are Wicked smart. You say, well, I want to get on the phone this morning and look up my Bible app. I'm going to read my Bible. And you pull your phone out and you know exactly what's going to happen. As soon as you open it up, there is a notification that someone's on your front porch. And you look at your camera and you say, who was that? Was that a delivery guy? Was that a cat? What was that? And then you get a text that someone's parents passed away. And you're like, oh, my goodness, i got to get a hold of them. And you get another notification. And an email comes from your doctor. And there's a bill that you got to pay. That Wait a minute, I don't know that bill. And then you got some service interrupted. And you got to take care of that. And you go and on. And, and Oh, wait, wait a minute. What, what did Elon Musk just say on X? And Oh, my goodness, what is Taylor Swift wearing to the playoff game? And on and on it goes. And then you're like an hour later, and you're like, what was I doing on my phone? That's just low-hanging fruit. We all get it. The Satan distracts us in so many other ways. It's movies. It's news. By the way, you know Fox News isn't news. CNN is not news. It's just entertainment. Quit listening. You don't believe me. Quit listening for three months. Turn it back on. And you'll go, wait a minute. Is this a recording for three months ago? Nothing wrong with news. Nothing wrong with social media. There is a real problem when we are so distracted by entertainment and experiences and the next destination to where we are not leaning into the things of God. And therefore, we know, man, the devil, he is so, so slick. You've got to filter what comes in your mind. You have to lean into the Word of God. So, 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 so be careful. Distractions. Distractions. The world tells us constantly we have to measure up. We have to be a certain way, we have to do certain things. Now, because of that, we are so busy. You ask anybody, how, how, how are you? Busy. Busy doing what? The devil, it's been said, if he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. 
The Word tells us where we, where we came from. The Word tells us where we are. And the Word tells us where we're going. So this is why we had to lean into it. When people say, this is a crazy world. Yeah, let me tell you why. This is where we came from. This is why we are where we are. And this is where we're headed. Uh, this is why we need to lean into it. Satan would have you into, in dark deception. But the Word of God is a light and exposes the truth and expels the darkness of, 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 of this world, of Satan's lies, so that we can follow the one who is the true light of the world, Jesus Christ. Satan would have us look at everybody else. The Word says, look at yourself. The Word's a mirror. The Word's a mirror. If you look into it, you know who I, you really are. And it treats you roughly. It really does. The Word of God is not just this devotional book that I get a bunch of promises out of. If that's what you've got, then you're not reading it right. It'll mess you up. I saw a sign on one of these uh, old, the old, remember the old signs that used to be out in front of like burger places? You know, they're on wheels and stuff. It said this, everything happens for a reason. Oh, man, that's really good. Except the business owner had another, another part of that. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes... You made stupid decisions and you're paying the consequences. The Word of God does that for you. Thank God it doesn't call you stupid, but it will tell you this. It will tell you that sometimes the reason you are experiencing what you're experiencing is because you're not addressing what needs to be addressed. Satan would have you measure up with everybody else. But the Word of God says, you never measured up in the first place, but Jesus measured up for you, so put your identity in Him, and you can move on in joy, knowing that if I please God, it doesn't matter who I displease, and if I don't please God, it doesn't matter who I do please. There's a story, well, it's 12.06, save for next week. Because I want to help this. I want to, I want to ask some questions and application. And so let's just bring this down. What are the one or two ways that you and I today, write this down, what are the one or two ways that we can see more of the light of Jesus Christ? I've got a lot here to say. It can be saved. But I'm sure today you can write down. I know there's one or two ways. I can be less distracted. I can let less of this world Hold my attention. I can manage my schedule so others aren't managing my schedule. What can I do to be in front of the Word of God more, in under the Word of God? What can I do to bring my family underneath the Word of God more? If we're going to do this, we're going to have to we're going to make some decisions. If we're going to lean into the Word of God, we'll receive more. You're going to have to administer your life. You're going to administrate your home. Parents. What are your kids learning at school? Is it reading, writing, and arithmetic? Some places. But I'm going to tell you, in most places, and there's some godly good teachers in this room. Y'all know me, and you know where I'm coming from. But there's a ton of indoctrination happening in our schools that if mom and dad, you are not leaning into and understanding and giving context to at the dinner table and having conversations so that you can interpret the truth for your kids, then you're sending them out in a way you would never have sent them out physically. You would never send them out on their bike without knowing where they were going. You would never send them out in a car without teaching them how to drive. You would never send them off to college without helping them to understand what they're going to face. Don't send them off to school not knowing what that teacher's teaching about evolution or creation or what that teacher's talking about when it comes to um, to ethics and, and, and humanism and, and understanding that if that's the case in the school, then I'm going to have to make some decisions. I can't just blindly, passively send my kids off to be indoctrinated by the devil. And you're going to have to administrate 
the devices in your house. The devices in your house. Because we've always had devices in our house. We've all grown up with devices in our house. Televisions and telephones. But never has there been a day when you have eight-year-olds on smart devices looking at wicked, profane images and ideas that are flooding their minds and ruining their souls. I mean, this is what Jesus is talking about, y'all. This is just right down the weeds. You go, man, my, my child wants a smartphone. There's some kids in here who are going to be so mad at me. You'll thank me later. You'll thank me later. Because I'm going to tell you, a preteen, a young teen has no business with a smartphone. Now, parents, some of you are going to be mad at me too. But you've got to pay attention. Because this is a spiritual battle that we're in. And Jesus taught it to us very clearly. He said the word of God goes out like a seed. And the devil comes and he removes it. How does he do it? He does it through not just distractions. But through deception. That comes through in so many ways. And it's not just those devices. But you know and I know. That there's the constant battle for the minds of our kids. So much so that our senators in the state of Florida. Last week on Wednesday voted 106 to 13. 106 to 13. In favor of a bill that says, if you're under the age of 16, you cannot be on certain social media platforms. Thank God when government does what they're supposed to do to protect us. That's one of their main jobs. We don't need the government, Christian parents, doing our job for us. Our kids are being destroyed, not from only a lack of knowledge, but from the kind of knowledge that's stealing away from the truth. What are the one or two ways that you can shine... See more of the light of Christ. What are the one or two ways you can administrate your home so that the light of Christ is seen even more? This is not a message to make you feel, oh my, uh, this is terrible. No, this is a message just to lean in to see what Jesus had to say and say, you know what? We need to maybe have a meeting together and we need to talk about how the devil works and how we're going to guard our minds and our hearts and our homes. Because you're looking at a guy who's made a lot of mistakes. And you don't get mulligans in parenting. You know that? I wish you did. Because if you did, I'd go back. You don't get mulligans in marriage. You know, if you did, it'd be great. You could just rewind and say, um, I didn't mean to say it that way. But you don't. So what you have to do is you have to admit when you're wrong and you haven't gone in the direction you need to go and, you, and get right with God and thank God for grace. And thank God for his goodness. He wouldn't have taught us this if he didn't know we didn't need it. So what will you do with it today? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to be in your word. Help us to apply it to our lives, to be God strong in your word, strong in your study, so that we know you and have your heart, and that, God, you have ours, and we are transformed into your image. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.